We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. With the 15th pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Washington Redskins select Dwayne Haskins, quarterback, Ohio State. That was less than two years ago when Dwayne Haskins was selected. By then, the Washington Redskins with the 15th overall selection in the 2019 draft. Uh, Yesterday, Ron Rivera addressed the media in his normal Monday presser following um, the loss to Carolina on Sunday and indicated that Dwayne had been demoted to third string and even demoted that sometimes change can be a good thing, which was a bit of a clue. And then it was just a couple of hours later, uh, Dwayne was released by the organization. All right, Tommy is up first with me. Then Cooley will join us in about a half an hour to 45 minutes. I do not know if Cooley did his offensive film breakdown or not, um, but I'm going to roll with the possibility that he he, uh, completed that, which would also lead to Dwayne's final film breakdown by Cooley in a Washington uniform. Uh, Tommy, Dwayne's gone. Um, nobody's claimed him at this point. Uh, not even the Eagles, I think, are considering. You know how sometimes a quarterback will get cut and the opponent will say, "I'm going to, we're going to sign him real quickly, um, and, and we can learn something from him." First of all, well, it would be well, too expensive uh, to do it. I mean, for one thing, uh, that player would have had to study the team's playbook. Yeah, well, I was just going to say yeah. <laughs> that they probably don't even think they can learn much um, yeah. from him. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've got a lot of thoughts on it. I'll let you start first. Tommy's column in the Washington Times today is exceptional. Um, let me just mention there are references to, among others, John Beck and, of course, Robert Griffin III, and Lewis Riddick is a prominent, plays a prominent role in Tommy's column this morning as well. But go ahead. Um, you know, actually, let me ask you this. None of us are surprised that Dwayne Haskins isn't going to be a part of this team moving forward. We all knew that when he got benched uh, in early October. But is there some level of surprise that he was released yesterday? Yes, I can't say no. I mean, I, I mean, I think that it, it caught everybody by surprise. Uh, you know, I, look, 
conspiracy theories are all legitimate when it comes to this organization. And there's a thought that Rivera said, okay, I can't cut him, then I'll play him. Instead of this theory that <sighs> he played him to give the team the best chance to win, yeah. there's this notion that, and I, I think Who, who's, who's got that table. notion other than you? Huh? Who's got that notion that he tried uh, to prove – that he tried to prove to the owner that uh, – that, is that what you're saying? That he kept him one more week and started no. him to say to the owner, look, he sucks, that's no, no, enough. No, 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 he didn't keep him one oh, more week. Okay. I think it's entirely possible the owner said, no, don't cut him. That would be the ultimate insult to me. Well, you, you thought... don't have to play him, but don't cut him. Oh, okay, you thought that last week. Okay, so yes. So go ahead. What What's the notion that, that some have? Well, the idea being that, okay, I'll play him. He'll embarrass himself like Jay, like apparently, according to the Washington Post, Jay Gruden did by putting him out against the Giants last year. Right. It was to show up the owner. Yeah, well, we knew that. Uh, that that's and old basically news. basically at, at that point, at the, at the point of Dwayne's performance Sunday, uh, Rivera banked on the idea that it would be bad enough that the owner would have to let him, let him cut him. Do you believe that? That's a possible. Yeah, I think. I look. I don't know about that. I do think it's possible that the owner told him not to cut him. I think that it's entirely. I think uh, unless we are totally basing it on this theory that we like Ron Rivera, if we base it on the owner's track record, there's no way that the owner said, "Yeah, go ahead, cut him loose." I mean, you know. I mean, but that question was never asked. I Nobody know. asked it. Well, we talked. Nobody to- asked. We talked about that last week. That was our last podcast. That was our last podcast. I said to you, the question that that should have been asked by the reporters is, did you um, did you consult with Dan Snyder about any of this? And 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 it was never asked, which would have been a fair question. But but you you, uh, your position last week was that Snyder wouldn't allow uh, Ron Rivera to cut him last week, right? And so that's still your position, not that he forced him to. until, yeah, until he embarrassed himself so bad right. that, uh, you know, Rivera said, you know, there you go. There's your quarterback, buddy. Right. Well, I think that's entirely possible. I think you ha- I think you can't go wrong banking on on the weaselness of the Washington football owner. Yeah, I mean, I, I look, is it possible that he said don't do it? today and then he changed his mind and allowed it to happen a week later I guess it is um the reporting is that Rivera had thought about you know cutting him last week Peter Schrager from NFL Network and Fox said that uh that Doug Williams was and and others said essentially um wait on this uh you're you'd be depriving the other 52 in the locker room which was my which was my position as to why he kept him last week um because he didn't know what Taylor Heineke could be uh and that Dwayne knew the offense and that and you know what Rivera said yesterday he said look I was I put him back out there in the second half because I was hoping to see the second half from last week when he played pretty well against Seattle um, in in that game. Um, Regardless of why it happened now versus last week or a month from now, 
We all knew that Dwayne Haskins was not going to be a part of the organization next year. Let's start with that. That that became an absolute certainty for for most of us in most of our minds when he was benched, um, you know, after the Baltimore game, uh, and certainly if it, it, it was reinforced after the the Strippergate situation from last week. The fact, Tommy, that Rivera did it this week versus last week for me, anyway, I, I just I think actually. He really wanted to beat Carolina because they had a chance to win the division, and he was thinking about other people in the organization and depriving them of an opportunity for something that wasn't their mistake. And he rolled the dice on Dwayne one more week because he probably knew then it was a long shot on Alex. But for me, when it comes to this complaint that many had, and I'm not saying that you had this necessarily, um, the you know the hysterical reaction last week from some that he missed out on this you know important opportunity to make a very emphatic culture statement on the organization and that you know he'll never have that opportunity again that last week was the moment that you had to cut him and it's the same old same old I don't feel that way. I didn't feel that way last week. I don't feel that way this week. Him getting released yesterday was a pretty you know, emphatic statement about a lot of things. It, it hasn't happened ever that a quarterback that got drafted in the top half of the first round has been released before the end of his second season. That's a pretty big statement. And if he had cut him after the season ended, I wouldn't have thought that it was, you know, a lost opportunity um, that he didn't cut him last week. That's me. And I, I think the other view is reasonable. That's just the way I feel. Um, but, you know, the bottom line is, to your point, Ron Rivera, if he hasn't been warned already, and if he hasn't sort of figured out, you know, whenever it was that he decided that Haskins wasn't the guy, which, you know, we're being told through Jason Lock and Fora's story uh, on Sunday morning, and this has been my contention all along, that Rivera's known pretty much deep down in his own gut that this was not going to be his quarterback, which is why I think it was a sham all along. Like, they should have tried to trade him when there was actually, potentially, at least a limited market for him, you know, back in, in, in May or, or before the draft or shortly after the draft. They should have done that. But I do think that's where probably the owner said, ah, give him a shot, give him a shot. But this should be a warning because the root uh, of this issue of the Dwayne Haskins situation here on December 28th, 29th, 2020, the root cause of this is the owner. And, war- and, and Rivera should be warned that his 21-year record of wrecking and ruining and damaging this franchise, that he lurks, you know, and maybe he did more than lurk last week. Maybe you're right, but he lurks. Um, you know, p- people said to me yesterday, look, it's a really good sign that Rivera was allowed to cut him. Okay, uh, it is because if I saw he, you point this. I saw you point this out on Twitter, and you're absolutely right. Go ahead. But but eventually, you know, Gruden was able to cut Robert Griffin the third, and Shanahan was able to bench and then trade McNabb and Hainsworth. Also, Dan's decisions. The ones that he makes without any, you know, against the better judgment of his football people have always failed, always failed, always led to a long-term miserable situation that eventually gets to the point where he will reluctantly consent. You know, it's always long overdue. 
It's always long after the fact and the damage has already been done. But he consented to Gruden cutting RG3 eventually. He consented to Shanahan benching and then trading McNabb and trading Hainsworth. So it's not like this is an unusual situation that Rivera got to cut him. You know, Marty was the fastest trigger allowed ever because Marty actually contractually uh, was able to do it with, I mean, he had total control contractually of the football operation. And Marty said after two games, this loser, Jeff George, that you, you wanted so badly last year, it's either him or me. Make your choice. And that was the quickest trigger we've ever seen on a Snyder player, on a Snyder, you know, jock sniffing, um, you know, attempt at 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 a, at a marketing buddy um, to go to to hang out with them. Um, but this isn't o- unusual. It's not unusual that you, that eventually it got to this point. Um, by the way, the release says all you need to know about his value um, because if they thought they could get anything in the in the off season, they're not. It's zero right now. Um, and for Dwayne, Tommy, I know this is going to sound like, you know, Coach Sheehan, as Doc would say. Um, but I do, through, you know, personal experience, sometimes I empathize with some of these young people who are clueless and who haven't been given good direction. And who, by the way, in his case, came into a really bad situation. He was drafted by the wrong organization, period. I'm not taking blame away from him. He deserves much, if not most, of the blame. But I hope for his sake that somehow this is, you know, one of those moments that makes him self aware about what his role was, honest about what his role was, and that he takes the route that RG, it takes a different path than RG3 took, which was blaming everybody else. You know, victimhood, as you pointed out in your column. I hope he doesn't go that route. His statement from yesterday was a good statement. You know, it was the right thing that he said. Uh, He said, my time with the WFT has unfortunately come to an end. I thank the team and fans for the opportunity to play for the team I grew up rooting for. I take full responsibility for not meeting the standards of an NFL quarterback, and I will become a better man and player because of this experience. I don't know if I believe him. I don't know that it, uh, if if what happened yesterday and what's happened over the last several months has really sunk into a guy that I've been told now for a year and a half is incredibly immature and just doesn't get it. Not a bad kid, not arrogant, not insufferable like RG3 was when he was here, but just a kid that was incredibly immature and didn't get it. But anyway, uh, I hope I hope he finds a place where he has support and then he grows up. Because if he doesn't grow up, it's over this time next year. He's got no chance. This, whatever chance he gets next, the next one will be his last. I, I would think you're right on that. Listen, I don't think uh, Ron Rivera uh, mortgaged his opportunity to change the culture, but I do think he took out a second mortgage. I do think he put himself further into debt. Irreversible? No. This was the only opportunity? No. But I, I think it, it, it stopped the momentum of culture change and changed the conversation back to the same old Washington football team. Really? And, uh, yeah, I think it did. I, I, I think it did. I think, I think but he started a guy. I don't care if he thought it was the best opportunity to win. He started a guy who had betrayed him 
and his teammates with, in 2020, arguably the worst sin you could commit. And he started them. He said, that's okay. We'll, we'll take away your captaincy. We'll take away some of your stripper money, but we're still going to play you. That's what he did. I don't care why he did it. He did it. I know, that's but, a, but that's a step but, back. But what are the ramifications to that? Well, again, the the ramifications are the 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 new media director for the Washington Football Team, Julie Donaldson, going on Twitter today and admonishing the fans, tell them they have to be part of the culture change too. She did that. Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Unbelievable. Well, hold on, let me read it. What is she, what did she do? Uh, I've read, I've read too many comments on folks being flat out mean at Haskins release Were mistakes made. Yes. Is there growth to be had? Yes. Does that entitle you to be cruel? No, much was expected. There's disappointment on all fronts. Don't be a part of the story. Let's all be better. Now you could go go down about two or three after that on on that tweet. If fans want a culture change, they have to be part of it. Ugliness is not a part of that. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's so weak. Yeah. You, Julie, you do not, you never, ever blame the customer. No, ever. No, (laughs) you never put it back on the customer. Especially Um, these Not after, not, yeah, not considering. You're lucky to have. Yeah. The very few that are left and the many more who really were treated and insulted so poorly and so badly for two decades plus. Um, This is not about the fan base. It's not about the media. Um, It's about the organization. The organization has to change, and a big part, the 99% part of that change, they have to win. Because even if you have nice people like Jason Wright and Julie Donaldson and others in the organization, and they're treating people and clients and, and partners, business partners, better than they ever have, because this organization treated their business partners literally like they were you know, uh, third-class citizens, um, and all of that is 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 important. You know, it is to you know the relationship building and the revenue generation for the organization. But nothing matters more than winning. And by the way, as I've mentioned to you many times, I do think because of the experience many of us had uh, with Joe Gibbs and the teams that were Hall of Fame teams. Um, winning with some level of decorum and class would be also, uh, you know, pre- preferable from my standpoint. I- I'd like to see the, you know, um, the the underpromising, overdelivering year in and year out. Uh, rather, it's winning winning without shame. Yeah, winning w- winning without shame and and winning with like this. Oh my God! They they just won again. How did that even happen? I didn't even see it coming, <laughs> because that's what it was with Joe for so many years. No, look, I love Julie, um, but you can never ever put this on the customer. It is not the customer's fault that they feel the way they feel. Um, they have absolutely for twenty one years been insulted at a level that um, v- very few organizations can recover from. Very few. You know what I have not seen actually just reminds me. I wonder what the TV ratings have been here locally over the last few games. Like the Pittsburgh game, I would have thought would have had to do well, even though it was a Tuesday, 
you know, afternoon, right? Tuesday afternoon or Monday? I can't even remember now. Monday afternoon. Um, and I think I would guess that Sunday night's game is going to be a monster. You know, people yeah. are going to tune in for that. It's a ho- it's still part of a holiday weekend. It's at night. It's Sunday. It's for the division. Um, but yeah, I would agree with you. Billy well, and Washington, two huge markets. Yeah, and uh, you, not, not to. Ma- I'm I'm wondering how it'll do here, though. I'm just saying here. Right. Um. So let, let's let that bury the lead on, on all this. Uh, the most important thing, as you know, is I had this. <laughs> I had this kid pegged from day one. Right. Now you did too, to some extent. Well, well no, I, I don't. I don't. I I, I, hold on for a second. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you um, do what you do best, which is break your arm, patting yourself on the back, <laughs> here in a moment. Um, I mean, from, I did from, not. From I, the was, beginning, from, I was. I was very. The, I was very ahead. much against them drafting him. I didn't see it. I did not think he would be a good pro quarterback. But I was open minded, and what I saw last year was I saw, and what I emphasized and said many times, I. The kid's got talent. He's a bit of a gamer. I want to see more. I want to see him start 16 games in 2020. I want to be, be able to get to the end of this season and be able to make the call on whether or not, you know, he's he's, you know, worth continuing with. Um, but you have to find out. And I was definitely more encouraged than discouraged at the end of last year. Now, I did not like what I saw at the beginning of this year. Um, and I didn't like a lot of what I was learning along the way about his maturity, which we shared a lot of that with you guys over the years. But I was not right in the sense of 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 I would not have bailed last year. I would not have bailed this year. Um, I, I, you know... I put it on Rivera. If Rivera chose to move on with it, I was fine. But I thought he had a chance once I saw him at the pro level. And who knows? Maybe that talent will emerge somewhere down the road if he grows up. But, you know, it's the intangible stuff. He doesn't have any positive yeah. intangibles. None. I mean, and the, to me, this was the way this was going to end. So take your bow. Uh, no, I don't. I don't have to. People recognize that. That's okay. <laughs> no, it, sometimes people don't recognize that. So, what well, do you that, think you were most right about? That he was what? Well, that that he was. Uh, how do I put this? He was vulnerable to outside influences. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean people. Uh, but just the outside influence of being a star, the outside influence of, uh, of the trappings that come with being a social media celebrity. Mm-hmm. We, took, we took tremendous, and I mean, myself, I took tremendous abuse. Well, I did too. Criticizing I did too when social media yeah. activity. We both did. Yeah. I mean, you whenever know? this came up on this podcast, when you would go off and I would say, look, these are red flags for me too. I mean, I'm not going to dispute that if it doesn't work out, these were major red flags. The, the, the guy that is more interested in personal brand, the guy that or would appear to be more interested in his own personal brand, the guy that would appear to be incredibly sensitive to criticism, uh, the guy that's retweeting positive things, um, there were a lot of things. I mean, you know, 
the league done messed up to the selfies at the end of the Detroit game when he should have been in there for the final snap to taking Joe Theismann's jersey. By the way, I had Joe T on the radio show this morning, and you know, and and you could tell that Joe T would like it, you know, sort of protected again. I think, um, and that this was not, you know, I, I we mentioned this many times. I'm not big into the jersey thing, but if it's a protected jersey, the owner can't go back to the player and say it's your call. It's the owner's. It's the owner's responsibility to preserve and protect those jerseys that are and have been protected. You don't give it to somebody who hasn't proven anything, but that gets into the whole owner falling in love with a kid that went to a high school that his son goes to. They're not even classmates. They're like four years apart or three years apart or whatever it is. And him, you know, having this, this incredible thought that like a local star was going to help him like name one hall of fame great player in the history of this franchise that was from here does anybody give two craps about where the player is from but that's how stupid the owner is um and uh the bottom line is the owner commandeered the draft room in 2019 um he's done it before um and and th- this is what, uh, you know, as you said, um, is what always is there uh, lurking is the possibility, no matter how good of a man Ron Rivera might be, uh, the guy he works for isn't. Yeah. So this is the end of, of the Dwayne Haskins era. The, the Washington football owner basically tossed away a 15th pick in the first round. I mean, you know, how I mean, those, I mean, how many times Washington has picked in the past 20 years uh, earlier than that? Chase Young, this last time, Kerrigan was what, the 11th pick in the draft? Something like that. And Trent Williams was the fourth pick, I think, right. in the draft. That's it. They're hard to come by. I mean, like, like uh, Mike Tomlin said to Chase Young, I don't want one of you because that means I would have to have lost 13 games to get you. Well, Dwayne was taken 15th. Right. I know yeah. that. So I'm at more, the, the guys I mentioned before that are the only ones who came – who the only draft picks they had earlier at 15th. I mean, 15th and down, they're hard to come by. Yeah. The, um, the first half of the draft. L- l- you know, let's not bury the lead. The lead is, as you said – the owner made a pick in the first half of the first round against the better judgment and wishes of his football people. And it is, he's gone. And this has never happened That's before. Yes. He's gone in less than two years. And uh, by the way, th- there's where, you know, potentially, potentially it's not, you know, done yet. Um, that's more than anything in my Haskins commentary over the last two years, that's where I was dead wrong. When I said before this season started, I think the bust potential now after watching him last year, in my view, is very low. And I, and I remember saying there are red flags about all the intangible stuff, but in terms of his football ability, there are things he can do at a very high level. And by the way, I still believe that, but there's no doubt that this would be if, if he – this is among the biggest busts in franchise history. Draft busts for sure. Heath Shuler would probably top that list because Heath Shuler right. was taken four overall. 
You're right. This 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 is among the top three overall uh, draft busts of all time for for the Washington football team. Yeah. And uh, you know, I mean, the track again, the track record shows that the owner won't learn from it. Um, won't learn from it. I know, but you know, we'll see. I mean, there's another story out there today. I know. Um, you I know, know, I mean, the, the, it's every day there's something else about Snyder. This one is that last night the guy Moog, I guess, claims that he was harassed by Snyder and intruders that came to his home on behalf of Snyder. Um, this is a, a, a new, uh, you know, a new sort of story about the owners and the, the owner and the minority owners. Um, the limited partners are accusing Snyder of what they called corporate malfeasance and um, harassment, um, where Snyder sent intruders to the home of John Moog. Um, so there's a whole other part to this. Look, the bottom line is we'd all, as as fans of this team, um, and I speak to you because uh, not to you, Tommy, but to all of the fans out there that are listening, like I am. We all know what the you know get out of jail free card is. It's him losing the team. It's the only chance. The it's only the closest thing to a Lombardi Trophy that you've seen since the Super Bowl. It's and and there's no guarantee you're going to get a great owner to replace him. But you know what is no, it? No, there's not. But you know what is guaranteed? You won't get one that's worse. You you it's it would be impossible to get one that is worse than what Dan Snyder's been as the owner of this football team. Uh, we, we, we've done this t- uh, too many times. Um, yeah. Bottom line okay. is Dwayne Haskins' major bust released. Um, they have a game Sunday to beat Philadelphia to go to the playoffs. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that here in a second. I did want to mention a couple of things. You know, um, people h- had tweeted me and said, you know, who did the – you know, and and a lot of people, by the way, Tommy, didn't believe the whole reporting, whether it was Diana Rossini or, you know, the stuff that we talked about. A lot of us knew what had happened on draft day 2019. And you would say, well, how do you know? Well, they wanted the message out there. You know, Jay Gruden and the football people, they, they it's funny, Diana had a theory. She was on with me this morning. Diana was all over the, the reporting uh, on draft day and before draft day in 2019. And her theory was that they wanted to get the message out that Snyder was taking over the draft um, and he wanted to draft Haskins because they thought there would be a lot of pushback on Haskins from media members. You know, in, in analysts, like don't draft Haskins that high and that maybe that would convince Snyder not to, you know, force them to do this. But actually a lot of the people, and you, you talked about Lewis Riddick in your column, you know, a Riddick among them who said, no, 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 this is a great pick. And the Giants are the ones that fucked it up. You know, Dave yeah. Gettleman's the moron. And, and so, um, you know, it actually backfired a little bit. But, yeah, a lot of us had a lot of those people saying, you're not going to believe what's happening here. We have worked all year long to put this draft board together, and he is telling us we have to draft Dwayne Haskins. Now, um, so I, I, I got into it because some of you asked me, well, who did the football people want? The football people really liked Montez Sweat. 
They really did. Sweat's value in that draft started to drop because there was a concern about a heart condition um, that he had. Um, and they were able to trade back into the first round and select Sweat, and they ended up getting a you know what appears to be a great bona fide star player for years to come. The other guy that I was told back then that they really liked was Darnell, uh, Darnell Savage Jr., the safety out of Maryland, who has played very well for the Packers. He was selected five spots later at or six spots later at 21 by the Packers and he's turned into to quite the player those were the two players and the two names I heard I knew they liked sweat and I heard at the time that they really liked Savage Jr and I think they may have selected Savage Jr at 15 if they could have talked Snyder out of forcing them to take Haskins but then I think they would have been forced to trade back into the first round to select Haskins later and they would have missed out on sweat that's how I think based on what I you know was told at the time I think that was the deal it was like they ended up drafting Haskins but they were able to trade back in to get sweat because Savage was already gone I think if they had stayed at 15 I think they would have taken Savage maybe sweat and then the owner would have forced them to trade back into the end of the first round to take Haskins. And I think that's how it would have gone. Um, it cost them. And it, went, it it cost them. Oh, no doubt. It cost them, of course. That, that's that's the bottom line. Yeah. The owner, yeah. not not just in, in a failed draft pick, but the opportunity that they had, they, they blew it. Yes. Um, now that he is done here, <clears throat> we can just briefly, because I, I want to get to the Philadelphia game, we can briefly – Uh, talk about, well, who the quarterback is going to be in 2021 and beyond. I personally don't believe they'll go Alex Smith. I think this injury, you know, is is sort of proof that you can't rely on him for 16 games. I do think that they'll re-sign Kyle Allen and that they'll bring uh, Kyle Allen back and that he's a potential starter in 2021. Um, I would like them to go after a veteran quarterback like Matt Stafford if he's available. Like to me, Matt Stafford has always been underappreciated. He's been a part of a of a bad franchise as well and some bad teams. But I think he can play, and I think a veteran with you know four or five years left, maybe at a high level, with this young uh, emerging defense would be the way to go, rather than roll the dice on another young quarterback um, and have to wait it out and waste. Uh, a growing, emerging, you know, potential top five defense. That would be my, uh, that would be the way I would handle it. Now, I don't know if Stafford will be available, and I don't know what he would cost, um, and all of those things would would play into the decision. But I've always been a Matt Stafford fan, and I am a fan of going the veteran route for next year and beyond rather than the rookie route, unless they really love somebody. Unless they think at 19 if they win the division or at 11 or 12 if they don't, that they've got an absolute lock with the next Patrick Mahomes or somebody like that. Um, wouldn't surprise me if they, Herbert. Yeah, or Justin Herbert, who looks to be I agree part. with you. I agree with everything you said. Uh, they do have an opportunity here. Like I've said, it behooves Ron Rivera to have success as quickly as possible he can't operate under some five-year plan because uh, the longer he's trying to build a winner, the more time the owner has to screw it up. Right. So I, I agree with everything you said. I think Matt Stafford would, would, would be a really good fit and make this team very competitive moving forward based, based on the defense and based on, you know, a couple of 
offensive players like Gibson and McLaurin uh, and even Logan Thomas to some extent that they that you know the weapons he would have uh, to at least start with. So I agree with everything you said there. I can't. I mean, I I, I think that's the way to go, unless. But I still think, I still think they need to draft a quarterback within the first three rounds. Um, for the future. Yeah, I I think they like Kyle Allen a lot. I really do. Um, and that that in many ways could be their young quarterback. Um, real quickly too, I just wanted to mention one other thing. I just had in my notes on this. Um, Giant fans were were truly um, uh, you know insufferable on draft night 2019. Uh, if you were a giant uh, executive, I mean, they thought that Dave Gettleman had just committed the worst sin in the history of mankind by taking uh, Daniel Jones and not taking Dwayne Haskins. Um, and Gettleman looks pretty good uh, right now. Yes. Um, and 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 that's you know uh, that's not claiming that Daniel Jones is the savior in New York. I personally think Daniel Jones is going to be a good quarterback, and I think if you look at the Giants' demise over the last couple of games, it's because Daniel Jones either didn't play or when he did play, like Sunday against the Ravens, he couldn't move. You know, in that game or in that Cardinal game uh, a few weeks ago, um, his injury has derailed their season. They were actually on their way to potentially winning this division had Daniel Jones stayed healthy. They, they, uh, they, they were playing well. He was playing well. He had stopped turning the ball over. Um, so right now, Gettleman uh, uh, looks good in New York. Um, and the Giant fans, uh, like most of us, um, on draft night, which is the biggest crapshoot and the biggest unknown for any of us, is the draft. You know, every year when we talk about the draft, I'm like, this is the thing that really we know the least amount beca- uh, about because we just aren't we're not sharp enough to, to, to be able to, to take a college player, look at him, and say whether or not he'll be great at the NFL. And I say that because a good hit rate by the experts is like 38%. Yes. So they're wrong even, 62% even the of the time. Even smart at this, yeah. it's, it's a guessing game. Exactly. Um, all right, uh, two things real quickly um, before we wrap it up with Tommy. Number one, do you think they beat Philadelphia on Sunday – to win the division, and who do you think they should start if Alex Smith isn't a hundred percent? Alex Smith or Taylor Heineke? I think they do beat Philly. Philly's pretty bad, and uh, I, th- I think I go with Taylor Heineke. I think I go with the more mobile quarterback at this point. I think they're going to beat Philadelphia too. And you know, I I did not. I picked Carolina last week. I did not think they would win that game. I think they're going to win this game. Real quickly, just as a side note, yesterday they were a one-point underdog. Today, Washington is a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. There's a lot of sharp money on Washington this week, and I think the reason is multifold. Number one is that there is the prospect that Alex Smith is going to start the game. Number two is that Philadelphia is done. They're out of it, and maybe you know there's a lot going on in Philadelphia, like maybe this is Doug Peterson's last game. Number three is Philadelphia. They turn the ball over a shitload, and Washington's yeah. defense is good. I like Washington to win this game. Uh, if Taylor Heineke has to start and Alex Smith legitimately can't play, you know, I will re- revise my my prediction perhaps, although I still think they'd have a chance. Um, but if Alex Smith is 100%, I think Washington wins and maybe wins easily if Alex is 100%. 
Uh, last thing, Tommy, because um, I want to do this with you instead of uh, Cooley, because I know Cooley didn't watch it, and I'm sure you didn't watch it either. Maryland's win at Wisconsin last night was really an incredible win for the Maryland basketball program. And, you know, look, they're coming off a Big Ten championship season last year. This is a weird year in all of sports. I understand that. The Big Ten is just unbelievable in basketball. They have nine teams ranked in yesterday's AP poll. Wisconsin had demolished everybody in the last couple of weeks. They beat Louisville by 40 points um, recently. Uh, the, it was like 38 points. Maryland was a 10-point underdog going into Madison, and you knew right from the beginning if you were watching that game last night that Maryland, there was something to them. They played well on Christmas Day against Purdue and really lost a winnable game. They went 10 of 21 from the free throw line. Last night, their defense from the jump was so exceptional. Um, Daryl Morsell, who had had a tough start to the season, was incredible defensively. Aaron Wiggins stepped up. Ayala scored all 17 of his points in the second half. And they beat a sixth-ranked Wisconsin team that a lot of people thought had a chance to be a Final Four, if not Final Two team with Gonzaga. That's how good people thought Wisconsin was going into that game. And Maryland went in there, and they were so good defensively. I just I loved watching that game. It was sort of for a fan of the team. It was really, it was they just they they brought in energy and a toughness which Turgeon's teams have, and all those people that bash Turgeon and call me a Turgeon sycophant. I've never claimed he was an elite coach. I've never claimed him to be Tom Izzo, but I think he's a good coach, and I think last night is the reason why his teams play hard, and they improve typically. And this team's made a big jump since that blowout blowout loss to, to Clemson. But it doesn't get easier, Tommy. They play undefeated 16th-ranked Michigan on Thursday night, New Year's Eve. Then they go to Indiana. Then it's 10th-ranked Iowa. Then it's 15th-ranked Illinois. It is – all you need to know about the Big Ten is Northwestern's in first place with a 3-0 and record and Michigan State's in last place with an 0-3 record. It is – Every single night in this league, it's going to be worth watching with any of the teams. There's not one bad team in the entire league. You can rarely say that in college basketball. You want to talk basketball? How about them Wizards, baby? Oh, God. <laughs> you know, they were so overwhelmed by their 0-2 start that they had to sit their superstar, Russell Westbrook. He must have had a case of the vapors well, or something like he that. Doesn't, he doesn't play in back-to-backs. After, after, after playing back-to-back games. You know what drives me so nuts? So now they're 0-3, right? They're 0-3. They haven't lost in the last 10 minutes, have they? They have not, um, and two of the losses okay. were to Orlando. Um, you know what the worst part of it is? I mean, defensively, they suck. I, I can't uh, – Bradley Beal is a great scorer. In the last two years, I, it's hard to watch him. He complains all game long. All he does is whine to referees. It's really somebody needs to get to him and say, dude, it's a terrible look. I've never seen a player whine more than Bradley Beal does now. That is a new it, – it started last year, and it's this whole notion, I believe, I'm projecting here – I'm an elite player now, and I deserve elite player calls. And he spends 
40% of the game bitching to referees. Shut up and play. You were 10 of 29 the other night, and you were 0 for 7 from behind the arc. And the night before that, you missed five free throws. He's a really good player. He's not an elite player. Bradley Beal is a great number two. He's not a number one for a championship contender. Not even close. Well, that's okay. They got a number one. He is fun to watch, but God, does he is he a terrible shooter. All right. Um, what else you got for me? That's all I got here from sunny Miramar Beach, Florida, Enjoy. where it's supposed to be 70 degrees today. Yeah, Tommy sent me a text yesterday or two days ago. I forget when it was at this point. Just <clears throat> just finished a swim in the beachside heated pool. Well, why don't you go in the ocean? Why don't you take your, your body into the ocean one time and, and let it heal? Cool. That's a little bit cool. Yeah, it is a bit cool, even this time, or definitely this time of year. All right, thanks. Uh, we'll talk later in the week and get your, uh, your official prediction on Philly, Washington. See ya. Okay, boss. Chris Cooley up next, right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. does have um, some film breakdown from the loss against Carolina. Obviously, we're going to start with Dwayne Haskins being released. Your thoughts? Well, I think it's hysterical. I text you and I said, well, he's gone or whatever I said. You said he's done. What did I say to you? You said <laughs> Dwayne oh, gone. Yeah, Dwayne gone. You called me immediately. I'm in a meeting. My wife says, don't answer that phone <laughs> real quick. So what do, what do you mean? I rarely know things before you know things, but. I was not attached to Twitter or, or my phone at that point. Um, I, I, I was actually in the car driving and I was listening to a podcast and I saw, and I looked down at my phone and I'm like, Dwayne gone. Like, because the title of the podcast yesterday was Dwayne Dunn. And I think, oh. and I think, and I thought immediately, like you were, you were questioning the title of my podcast. I think that's what I thought and why I called you real quick. I hear you. Yeah. Well, I thought it was, first of all, my first reaction to this conversation is you immediately go, okay, I got to go. 
<laughs> Hang up the phone. Like, immediately you had business to do now that Dwayne was gone. You want to talk about it? You didn't want to think about it with me. You just said, I got to go. Well, what were, you, what were you what were you going to do? Well, I first were you of all, going to tweet something, or were no, you going to go no, call someone else, or it, what, what was the plan there? Well, you I just aborted. You just left me high and dry. Well, See you later. thanks it, for the news. Bye. Well, it's because like you typically, uh, this is true. You typically, if you have like something like that, you're just you know you just saw it on TV or you saw it on your phone or whatever, and you're not going to sit there and provide a lot of the details. And I wanted to get to the details. So once you told me about it, it was at that point I'm like, oh well, I want to go check out you know who reported it and and what the deal is and if this team's put out a statement yet or anything like that. And and I knew you were very busy yesterday. You told me that that you had to be off the show at a certain point because you had a very had very some, important you, meeting. What did you do? What did you do immediately after I told you? Went right to my phone. Yeah, you had something I actually to tweet pu- out. I actually pulled over, turned the podcast that I was listening to off, turned uh, our station on, 980 on, and immediately started reading everything that was going on. That's what I did. So you just needed details, and you yeah, knew yeah. I wasn't going to give them to you. I, so. I didn't think you were going to give me a lot of the details. And you're not a – when it comes to stuff like that, that you don't have the information on, that you didn't – you know, that you don't have like, – You didn't know that I didn't have the information. No. you No, when you – well, first of all, when you said, said Dwayne got released – I said put out a report. Yeah. No, but you said it's all over, it's all over the place. You because if you had said to me, but they're that going didn't mean to. I didn't have information. They're going you, to release him. You've always him. said, like Cooley's always got information. I know, but you, you, you just said I just saw it. It's all, it's out all over the place. So I just assumed that you didn't have, you know, inside information on this. Did you? That was a super. I might have. I don't think you did though. Did you? That was a super quick assumption by you. <laughs> so what'd you think of it? I think it was the move that should have been made a week ago is what I think of it. But they did believe that Dwayne gave them the best chance to win a football game. So they played this, they've been walking this fine line with talent versus morals and then morals versus talent on some players. And this case, like, geez, if he could just give us that B performance, we can beat Carolina. So we need that. Uh, I uh, look, I think they should have done it a week ago because I'm not surprised by the way he played. I think they should have known enough to know that with any circumstance outside of football, it wasn't going to be good for Dwayne. It was going to weigh on his mind. It was going to press. Keep in mind, he'd already spent the better part of one prep day fucking around. I just, I think they could have done it. Went to Heineke on Tuesday. It sets the standard for your team. It's it, look, I'm not going to be overcritical of the fact that they didn't release him, but I think you then went to talent versus morals again at the end of the week and went, yeah, his talent's done enough there to overcome the morals. <laughs> that's that's eh. we've seen enough. We thought we'd seen enough. He had an okay performance. Maybe he was enough to win a football game. He wasn't. He clearly wasn't. And he's a problem. Yeah, we're 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 gonna move on. You didn't think he was gonna play that poorly. I don't think he was going to play that poorly. I think he's capable of playing that poorly because I've seen him play that poorly in earlier performances this season. 
No, no, that that was by far and away the worst in terms of games that he started. That was the worst he's ever been. It was the worst he's looked, but it's not by far. I thought it was by far. There's been, go back and look at what we've graded him in through the first five weeks. There was a couple bad grades. I know that. I've seen but... bad Dwayne. I'm not. I'm not surprised by this performance. Just so we're clear. Well, I think that I think that Ron Rivera. I think Ron Rivera was surprised by the performance. I don't think that Ron Rivera thought that he was going to be so god awful because I think if he knew that going in, he would have cut him. I, I, I shared this with Tommy earlier. I'll do it with you. I don't really. I didn't have a problem with him not cutting him or or, or punishing him more severely last week. We all knew when he got benched in October that Dwayne Haskins was not going to be a part of Ron Rivera's long-term plan, that this was going to be it. He was not going to be on this team. We definitely knew it after Strippergate, if you didn't know it before that. I just don't see this, like, um, you know, the, the, the this lost culture statement opportunity from last week being a big deal. I think they made a big culture statement yesterday. This is the first quarterback in the in the in the since the merger that was drafted in the top half of the first round as a quarterback that was let loose before the end of his second year. I mean, that's a big statement. If they had a big if, statement. If they had made this release when the season ended, it would have been a big statement. I just don't see this like Oh, he should have done it yesterday, and he missed out on this big opportunity, and and therefore he can't be trusted to 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 change the culture. I just don't see it that way. I think cutting I think him yesterday a, a was a big statement. deal. It was enough of a statement yesterday. I don't disagree that it's enough of a statement. I do think it's a big statement. I just think it's interesting how they walked the line of the week to maybe you know the right thing to do. They knew the thing they wanted to do. They just thought he gave him one chance throughout the week. Right. And, but there's a 50-50 shot, if at best, that he really gives you the chance. And they probably knew him well enough to know by the time they got to Thursday, this dude ain't ready for it. Well, then that's, that, then that's, that's on them. And, and that's, that's the next Ron thing. Ron didn't is, say that. He said that he practiced well all week. Of course he did. Validates the decision. Okay. He's not going to say, like, no head coach is going to go, yeah, uh, the stripper gate thing happened Monday. We, call, we called him in. He was he was a man about it for sure. Uh, but then, you know, as it got into Wednesday, you could see he was a little complacent. Practice really not that good. Uh, kind of all over the place on well, Wednesday. Well, then he should have started Heineke. definitely no better. Like, and then everybody's going to go, what the hell did you play him? Yeah, well, of course then, he's going to say he practiced well. Yeah, but if he really felt that way, then why didn't why didn't he start Heineke? Should have. It would have been it would have been more of a statement. We we find him, we took away his C, and we're starting this guy instead of him. You know, that, that would really be a, that would really be a slap at, at Dwayne. Dwayne wasn't ready, he didn't prepare himself. And then by the way, cut him today and say, We gave him one last chance. We had a game to win. He didn't prepare the right way. He wasn't prepared. That's why we started Taylor. And he's done. And, and we wish him the best of luck. I think that I think I take Ron at his word that Ron and he said this yesterday too, before he released him in his Monday presser, he said you know why did why would did he uh, send him out there in the second half? And he said, "I was hoping for the second half that we got the the previous week." Which, by no, the way, I understand that yeah. you were hoping he's going to feel his way through a game, right. which is the only thing he's ever done, and the only time he's ever had success is when he started to feel his way through a game. Right. I think it's just really a shame. It's such a wasted pick. Well, it blame really your, is. Blame your your old friend.
I do. Okay. Everyone knows where the blame is on this one. Yeah. They they certainly don't, do. Don't indict me on this thing. I'm, this wasn't I'm my not. Pick. You knew you knew clearly going into this. This wasn't my pick. I know. Look, it's funny because Tommy Tommy took credit as he does when he gets something right because he just thought that Dwayne Haskins, all of the red flags, the social media, all of that was a reflection of the kind of person he was, and it wasn't going to work out. You and I both, and me before you. I was the one that said, "Go watch Haskins." I don't. I said, "I don't think he's a pro quarterback. I don't think he's a first round pick." And you came back after the first time watching him, and you said, "Oh my God, he isn't." And then you really got into the film and you dissected it. This was this was over the phone, and I yeah. asked you. I said, "This is a local dude." Yeah. Uh, should I? Because what I watched was through four games at Ohio State. I'd kill him for. Yeah. And you said, "Yeah, he was supposed to go to Maryland, yeah. and then he left to go to Ohio State, kill him." And no, so no, 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 but I, but I said, remember when I got back from that Penn State game? Pre-draft. Oh, no, no, this is in the middle of the college football season. I said, I don't see it with him. You and I were on the same. We don't have to sit here and, and, and rehash it. You, you implored the people you knew in the organization not to draft him. I was against drafting Haskins as well. Now, with that said, when I saw him play last year, I actually saw a guy that I wanted to see more of this year. I wanted to see him more. I thought there was talent there. I thought some of the things that we thought were big issues with him coming out, um, I thought that you know I'd like to see you know the opportunity for him to, to, to play a lot of games and grow. But the intangibles, the red flags were always there on him. The the stuff that we always heard, preparation, work ethic, you had you, you know, you knew this firsthand. Um, all of the social media, you know, sensitivities, the 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 personal branding, you know, emphasis in his life, all of those things are red flags. And so many people, many of you listening to this, you know, always said, Stop it. You know, this is what no. young people do and and you know, okay boomer and all that stuff. And that's fine, but you know, this is you. You, he was consumed with his personal brand. He was hypersensitive to criticism in on social media. He was putting out videos of himself throwing in three on threes in the summer to show his body. He would retweet good grades from Pro Football Focus and never even consider retweeting a bad grade. There he were would a lot unfollow of... those that tweeted out bad grades and bad charts. Yeah. Oh, he 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 he's, he blocked them. And then, you know, he said, "Don't be, you know, don't be a fan later and the league done messed up." And look, the the, jer- the jersey thing with Joe, I, I just again, for those of you that are, uh, have already heard it, but I'm just telling Cooley he knows what my position was, but I had Joe on the show this morning on the radio show. I just think it was I, I couldn't care less about all these jerseys, but Giving away a protected jersey and putting Joe on the spot was an absolute cowardly move by the owner. And it just you don't ever do it again, Dan. Do don't ever do that again. Don't ever put a star Super Bowl winning quarterback whose jersey is protected on the spot to say yay or nay for a kid that's never thrown an NFL pass before. Don't do that. Okay. There are a lot of things I'd like to say don't do, but that's one of them. Um <laughs> But anyway, uh... so I mean, the the thing that I, there are a couple of things that bothered me the most, and I'll, keep in mind these are all after the draft. And what I'm going to talk about is before I actually got to know Dwayne, because I, I did I like Dwayne. I actually I hope he figures it out. I do too. I don't know if he's going to. 
to be a starting NFL quarterback. Now, I think there's a lot of things he can figure out that he'll be fine in life. He's a good kid. But I don't know if he's grown enough to be a starting NFL quarterback. Probably being a backup for two or three years is the best thing for him. But the draft party branding, the dad stuff in the media, where the dad was controlling the media, right? And what got reported about Dwayne and the dad was going after people and only allowing certain interviews from certain people. And then the party where you're charging money and the brand things. I hate that. I don't hate it as much. If you're a fourth round fun loving dude who is a H back or a receiver or something, like, yeah, I don't, I don't hate it in my position. Yeah. I might need some branding for my post career, but when you're a first round quarterback, there's one thing that you can do to make the most possible money. And it's a lot of money. The one thing, be good at football. Yeah. You're just good at football. You're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. If you're just pretty good at football, you're talking about, 13 14 15 million dollars a year in a contract that beats the shit out of any t-shirt sales on the internet no doubt god so that was the thing that i hated the most like the first round picks and it's a flaw in the pa and it's a flaw in some of the advice given to young players in that you're told early through the combine stuff and the meetings with NFL people. It's not for long. Make your mark. Well, that's great and grand, but if you're a first round quarterback, it should be for long. God, it's so true. Just go play football. They should take them and cut them in half by position and round and draft status and who they are and say, Hey, you're a dorky outside linebacker from Illinois. You might have some positives from doing some fun things on social media and creating a small brand and doing some charity things outside. Player B, you're a star quarterback from Ohio State taking the first round. You don't need to listen to anything outside. Blog it out. Let's talk to you on a different level. You just got to watch film for like, 10 hours a day. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think I'd have different messages. I understand your point because the fourth rounder from Illinois, you know, the odds are he's going to have a very, yeah, he's going to have a very short career. And, but I think the problem is, is that there are plenty of those guys that end up having a very long career and they, and they focus only on football. And then that second or third contract (laughs) ends up paying them a lot more money than had they not focused (laughs) on it for a little branding company. Like, you know, Dwayne's kingdom of pride clothing line, you know, the official clothing line for Dwayne Haskins and, you know, in his rookie year, he's tweeting out messages prior to his second start, I think it was, for Thanksgiving's, you know, Black Friday and Cyber Monday sale opportunities. This is such bad uh, uh, advice. That, and, and whether, look, I, I don't know if it's advice. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's all initiated by him. But God, for anybody that's uh, at a certain age, and really this goes in any sort of field, focus 
on what on your job and how you become better at your job and how you create more value to the people that you employ because that's how you'll end up making more money. In the case of an NFL quarterback, some I could sit down in two in thirty seconds in front of a whiteboard and say, Kingdom of Pride, okay, social media follows equals, you know, let's call it the opportunity for uh, $300,000 a year in revenue. (laughs) But if you're really good at football and you focus only on this, you might make $40 million a year and have it guaranteed for five years. Uh, That's 40 times five, uh, 200 million, Dwayne. This is what you have to be focused on. Your personal brand and your emphasis on your personal brand is off-putting to many employers, even before we get to the conversation as to whether or not it's affecting your craft. If if, if it affects your craft, you're done. The fact that it's important to you for a lot of people and a lot of employers, it will be bothersome to them. It will be off-putting to them. Don't off-put your employer. Prove to them that you are beyond what they drafted, beyond what they've paid a rookie deal to. This is one of the things that I I remember having this conversation with Sean Springs when he got benched uh, in, in October. I'm like... Look, he came into a terrible situation. He was picked by the owner. None of the football people wanted him here. He had a coach who didn't want him. But you know what? Like, guys that get it, you you say, fuck that. I'm going to prove to Jay Gruden and to Kyle Smith and to all of these people that they were wrong and the owner was right. I'm going to be the first one in, the last one out. I'm going to know this playbook inside and out. I'm going to improve in my footwork. I am going to become the the best employee and the best worker and the most improved, and it's going to be totally about proving the football people here wrong. But that never entered his mind, um, and in part, in part, Cooley, because he's too childish for for it to have entered his mind. But also because the kiss of death, which is owner entitlement, when you're entitled and you come into this organization and you're preferred by the owner, um, it is really um, it's it's a bad position to be in, as we know and we've seen over the years. I wonder how much he felt owner entitlement. Well, he called him Dan. I doubt he, as much as he called. He was the only one that called him Dan. Okay, <laughs> everybody else calls him Mister Snyder. And in the game that he got pulled against the Giants or whatever, it was Dan who came down and told him, "You're not going back into the game." Is it an art? Was it an RG three relationship? I don't. Oh yeah, no, no. Th- maybe it was not. not. There's. I don't. I don't think it was an RG three relationship I, by any means. Right. But it was also. It's not that uncommon. And I don't think Dan was the one that told him he's not going back into the game. I think well, that's that what he, he the doctors, I know what he said. I know what happened. The doctors told him back in the game, he's not going back in the game. He wanted to go back in the game. Okay. And Dan just confirmed, Fair. no, you, you don't need to go back in the game. But it wasn't uncommon for Dan to be down there with any player with an injury. The, where they went into the locker room. He always went into the locker room to check on players with injuries. Fair enough. Maybe not. Wes Schweitzer, if he went in the locker room. But, you know, <laughs> Maybe not McCorm- Kirk Cousins. <laughs> if, yeah, no, I think he would have went down for Kirk Cousins. If Terry McLaurin went into the locker room, or next week Logan Thomas went into the locker room, or someone that, that, that's impacting his team, he's going to the locker room. Do you think it's not Dwayne- an owner entitlement thing with Dwayne. I really don't. I think that that's just 
he felt close enough. But I also think Dan wants to be called Dan by the players. I don't want to be called Mr. Snyder by all the players. Well, why does he force a coach who's older than him to call him Mr. Snyder? <laughs> I don't think he forces a coach okay. to call him Mr. Snyder. Whatever. Um, do you think Dwayne didn't call him Mr. Snyder? Do you think if if he had, I, I think I would have vomited. Um, do you think Dwayne will get a second chance? Oh, he's going to be in a camp next year. Okay. Um, First-round quarterbacks always get a second chance and most times get a third chance. Also, um, was I right? I told Tommy earlier, I remember having this information, not from you, um, that the football people wanted either Sweat or Savage Jr., the Maryland safety, who ended up being taken by the Packers six picks later at 21. That the, that, that the, It was one of those two players that they would have selected had they been able to convince Dan that Dwayne wasn't the right pick there. Yeah, that was, I think, 100% true. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's crazy because they would have taken Sweat. You didn't know Sweat was going to fall as far as he did. Well, he but, had the, he had the heart condition, you know, concerns. Remember, right? Right, but I don't. I think they would have taken Sweat. Okay, I know so, that. I know because I, I know Dan knew the football people wanted Sweat, and that's what was a, a driving factor in trading. Okay, now you can get your guy. He's still here. Let's go ahead and get your guy. Go right. make the trade. But can you imagine? Like, God, they taken Savage and Sweat. I know. Yeah, if they had taken Savage and then traded back into the first round and gotten Sweat. Um, or just taken Sweat and then fell into Drew Locke in the second round, where he went. Yeah. Well, you like Drew Locke. Um, I do, too. He's had some ups and downs. Yeah. But I, I still I still like Drew Locke. I think he's going to be good in Denver. All right. Now that we know for sure, I think we knew this anyway, um, but the, it's no longer even an, op- an option. Um, that Haskins is not part of this moving forward. Who's the starting quarterback in 2021? I don't know. How would you I handle this? You are definitely interested in what Kyle Allen brings. I think that you're definitely really still intrigued and have Alex Smith under contract with how he progresses through another offseason and if he's healthy. And if you were to say Allen, or if you were to say Alex Smith is your starter, but we see Allen as a comparable to Alex Smith type player, that we can go into the season with those two, but you still acquire somebody else. You got to go draft a guy. So you would, you would do it through the draft. What about Matt? Well, that, what about no, Matt Stafford? No, that, like, well, this isn't this isn't off season yet. This is just like thinking the easiest process. Carson Wentz is uh, uh, available. He's definitely intriguing to me. What about Matt Stafford? Matt Stafford is <clears throat> big time intriguing to me right now. Maybe even more than Wentz because you have a team that can win, and you're lacking a receiver and a quarterback on offense. Stafford would answer that question right now. And I think Stafford is a guy that takes you from a team that's scoring 18, 19, 20 points a game to another to 27. I think Stafford's worth a touchdown a game. And so if you're saying we need to score 20 plus, Stafford will do that for you right now. What do you think? Like, I don't know. Like Stafford, how old is Stafford right now? Like 34? Is he even at five? Is he? I think he is. I think he was in the league four or five years after I was. Um, he is 32. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be hesitant at all on Stafford. But I I think if you're going to go the Stafford route, you got to keep in mind you're going to have to pay a boatload of money at the quarterback position where you have two guys that you could work with and you can still draft a dude that isn't going to cost you a ton of money. You are going to have to pay Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, uh, Montez Sweat in a couple years. You, you are going to put a boatload of money into your defensive line if you want to keep that together. Yeah. Um, so, the, like, the idea of – think of what – you need as a team how many points do you think you need to score if you believe in your defense that much do you I, need a legit baller quarterback i don't th- and how yeah. much is stafford going to cost you i don't think about it that way i know you do i think about a defense that's emerging that you add a couple pieces has a chance to be a top five elite defense next year and for the next few years and I don't want to waste that opportunity waiting on a young quarterback or rolling the dice on an unknown quarterback who, by the way, they might not even like anybody that they'd have the ability to draft. So I would never force that. Um, I've always been a Stafford fan, as you know. I said many years ago, believe it or not, people, if you didn't hear it, I always like Stafford more than I like Cousins. Um, and and I, if Stafford becomes available because Detroit waves him, which they've got an opportunity to do in this offseason, um, it's, it's their out opportunity. Um, or if they decide to trade him, there's going to be a big market for Matt Stafford if they move on from Matt Stafford. Understand there are teams that are closer to thinking they can win the whole thing with a quarterback like San Francisco, like New Orleans, if Breeze is gone. You know, I could probably come up with another three or four off the top of my head here if you gave me a minute uh, or if you gave me 10 seconds, but those are the first two that pop into mind. How about the Rams and their opportunity with a real quarterback? So, you know, Washington may... they just paid Goff. Yeah, and and Washington would have to move on from Alex and take, you know, and take the, uh, the opportunity to get out of the deal next year um you know in or this, this coming off season anyway i think the netting it out i think the veteran path is the way to go and it's not alex smith i think they they should bring kyle allen back but kyle allen should sit behind a statured resume veteran quarterback that doesn't waste the next 2 to 3 years of what could be an outstanding defense um that's what I would do. I I completely understand where you're coming from. No, there's some guy there. There's going to be some opportunities. I mean, how about <clears throat> probably wouldn't have to pay that much. Well, Mariota's got another year in Oakland. He did a two year deal. Exactly. But if they wanted to move far and keep Mariota, that would be, I think, potentially intriguing. The answer to Cam Newton is an emphatic no. His career looks no. over. He looks terrible. I'm I've been a Jameis Winston fan. I don't know why, because 30 picks would not be a Super Bowl contending season, even if it came with 35 touchdown passes. I like Dak Prescott a lot. I just can't see him making it out of Dallas. What about Sam Darnold? I like Darnold. The Jets are going to have a top five pick. (laughs) So now all of a sudden the Jets just beat two playoff teams back to back with Darnold. So they don't necessarily have to waste a top pick on a quarterback. I like Darnold. I just... I like Darnold, too. It hasn't been good enough. No, it hasn't been. But Darnold would be a guy that would be a potential a potential trade type of situation. Yeah. Matt Ryan's a possibility, you know, if the Falcons decided to go in another direction in a younger direction. 
I think you could take a look at it like you're you're talking about and just say, you know, for example, Indy. They know they have a good defense, and they know they have some players. They just needed a quarterback. Yeah, went out and got. 38 or 39 year old Philip Rivers. And they said, look, we got put in a bind with the Andrew Luck situation, which isn't that it's a different way it came about, but it's not that different than Washington is like, we got put in a bind with the Alex Smith situation, but we still think we have a team that could win. Why do we want to build? The funny thing is they may win 11 games and not make the playoffs. Isn't that crazy in the AFC that you, you're going to have an 11 win team, not make the playoffs. Yep. Um, all right. There are so many scenarios for this playoff. This is a great December. Oh, it's, it's going to be a great NFL playoffs. I hope Washington's a part of it. By the way, I mentioned to Tommy, we're now one and a half point favorites. I think we're going to win Sunday night. I really do. I think we're going to win and we're going to host Tampa Bay um, in the first round of the postseason. I think that the one and a half point favorite is telling you right now that Alex Smith's going to play. Uh, there's no doubt that's a big part of it. All right. Um, Cooley's film breakdown right after this word from one of our sponsors. <laughs> The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, Cooley's Film Breakdown uh, brought to you by MyBookie today. Every sports fan knows that it's not about how you start the season. It's about how you finish. And Cooley, the smell test, 5-2-1. and one. Last weekend, after a 6-1-1 and weekend uh, before, uh, I am closing in on 500. I think I'm two games now below 500 after being at one point, like 16 or 17 games below 500. This season's going the opposite direction of last year where I started fast, finished slowly. This year started slowly, finishing uh, quickly. Um, I will. I may have, by the way, a bull pick at the very end of this show today. Uh, sign up at mybookie.ag right now, and they will match your deposit halfway up to $1,000. And while you're at it, you can ring the holidays in with a bunch of giveaway opportunities. MyBookie's hooking players up with free bets, casino chips, blackjack tournaments, huge cash prizes, and it's all week long. To get in on the action, it's simple. Sign up, make your first deposit, enter my promo code Kevin DC to claim your bonus and start taking advantage of the holiday freebies. Head over to my bookie to discover this year's batch of fun with on-site promotions and you'll win big with multiple days of giveaways at mybookie.ag. This holiday season, bet with the best, bet with my bookie. All right, it's time for Cooley's film breakdown. We're going in depth, play by play. The Cooley, Cooley film breakdown. Here's Cooley and Kevin. The film breakdown is going to be a little bit different today. We can give some grades, but again, this goes back to when 
Robert played Tampa, and I said, it's hard to grade a lot of this. Oh, boy. It's really not that hard to grade a lot of the rest of the play. It's just bad enough at the quarterback position that they didn't have a chance to win. But this game in particular, there's some grades. And there's some things that you can see from pretty much everybody else on the field. I will say this, having no receivers hurt them in this game. Having no Terry McLaurin definitely, definitely hurt them in this game. Sure. So, because there's no question that Cam Sims is not a number one. That Gandy Golden has no business in in any realm of the NFL being a 57 snap a game number two. Like that, that, like that, I would have played Robert Foster at two more than I would have played Gandy Golden. And if you were watching him as the game went on, there's not a doubt that he should have been off the field. Same time as Dwayne. Yeah. and then three, before we get into some of the stuff, Carolina plays a three, three front. You gashed them when you ran the ball. Yeah. Why did they stop? Why did they stop? I don't know. It makes no sense to me. Like they'd have a good run. They'd get a first down and they would go drop back. I'll get through it. Cause I just wanted to go through some of this game. Um, the early part of this game, Dwayne's late with the ball. He's got a wild overthrow. He throws behind way behind Logan Thomas on a out route. The, the timing of the motions and snaps are not good early in this game. The tempo of the offense at the line of scrimmage dictating what happens before the ball snapped is poor. I mean, the, the first good throw he makes, he's, I don't know, three drives in or whatever it is, it's that sidearm throw to Sims Jr. on the sideline. He's rolling left out of the pocket. He's not over the line on that throw. Uh, he wasn't? Okay. Suggest, no, he's okay. a yard and a half behind the line of okay. scrimmage. Good. Thanks for checking. And he gets into that, then he gets to the interception where he's just staring Logan Thomas down. Like he, it looks to me like he's looking directly at the linebacker, dropping right into Logan Thomas, saying, I'm going to throw it anyway. She's got to throw the check down. Linebackers 13 yards down the field. Mm-hmm. Last time I checked, our check downs are pretty good, especially when they drop that soft. Right. You just got to throw the check down. Um, they, they just, they're not good early in ball games. They're not consistent with what they're doing offensively. They're not taking advantage of what the defense has given them. And their quarterbacks have not been good getting into rhythm early in games. They have not done a good job getting any of their quarterbacks into an early rhythm. For the most part, almost all the rhythm to quarterbacks seem to be in that two-minute possession right before the end of the half. If you think back over the progression of this season, right. more times than not, the true rhythm started when they hurried it up yes. and they got into a two-minute situation right before the end of the half. Man, Alex Smith's back in. Let's hurry it up right now against Philly. Let's put the pressure on him. Let's hurry it up. Let's go quick, 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 quick. Let's get some drop, some short game, some three-step drops. Let's get the ball out of his hand. And that's what they should have done with Dwayne. So I get to that, I think it's the fourth drive of the first half or the fifth drive, the two-minute drive. Three minutes, six seconds left. They start out. Gibson's got a 22-yard run around the edge. 22 yards, Sheriff, heck of a job, pulling and pinning. Ruye, pull and kick out. Logan Thomas pins the edge. We're off, we're rolling. Gap scheme run. Works damn good against the three-man front. Get leverage blocks and you can get guys in space with the offensive line. Couldn't run gap scheme all day. All day against these guys. Gibson makes a good cut. 22 yards down the field. We got something going on. They stay in a soft 3-3 front. Here we go, next play. Let's drop it back on first and 10. 
She got plenty of time. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah. Plenty of time. Just keep running the football. Jesus. I don't know. It's a, you, you get a one-yard gain. Dwayne doesn't read it out. Second 10. Okay, here's the second 10. Well, let's run it again. McKissick. <laughs> Nine yards. Second 10. Third one. Let's run it to McKissick. Here we go again. You still have some time. Right. Potentially. Right there. You're, you're running right into the two-minute warning somewhere around midfield. You're going to get to the two-minute warning. The ball was snapped like nine, ten seconds left, eight seconds left before the two-minute warning. It's a great situation to run it again on first and ten. Dwayne throws a check down to McKissick. He ends up getting 13 yards. He goes out of bounds on that play. Right. He cuts that up, and that's a 23-yard gain. He's trying to do the right thing, but he lost track of the time. So then you get a first and ten. It's an RPO call. Dwayne should have thrown the screen. Missed the RPO look. He's got leverage to Sims on this little quick screen. Two got two receivers outside blocking him. He's the inside guy. Hands it off. Two-yard loss. You can't miss that on an RPO, man. Plus, now we're inside of the two-minute warning. Maybe we don't have enough time to run the ball. But even if you do, like just lock it up and run it. You can run it on him. Run a gap scheme. Don't run that zone stuff with RPO where you're not fully blocking the backside. Either run it. Or throw the stupid screen, and he should have thrown the screen. Second and 12, Dwayne misses an easy slant opportunity. He throws the flat out to McKissick. The slant's open behind it on a second and 12. You know, one-yard gain. It's crap. Third and 11, the next play, this is where he rolls left and throws one low to Cam Sims, who drops it. Dropped three balls in this game. Went right through his arms down there on the sideline. Yeah, that was actually not a bad throw. There is literally zero reason for him to leave the pocket here. Right. He is working the right side of the field. He has a three-man rush. He is looking, I think, at Steven Sims, who's clearly covered in the middle of the field. And if it's not, it's Gandy Golden, who's clearly covered on the outside. All he's got to do is transition, plant, and throw back across the field in timing to Cam Sims, who's running a post comeback. Like 10 yards to the post and then bend hard back outside. Wide open. Wide, wide ass open. No, no reason to leave. He does that slow, weird, awkward spin out and roll left thing that takes him about a second and a half to pivot out. It's a low ball. It's not, it's not a great ball. He's wide open on the sideline. Ball could have hit him in the chest. But he's running left. Still should have been caught. Right. Then he throws a pick on the last play of the half. That's That last play of the half... Just throw the check down to Logan Thomas in the flat. There were seven seconds left. Let him run out of bounds with one second left. You got a Hail Mary opportunity. The, like, the, you're not getting – okay, Kev, here's what you're going to get. You're going to get a 15-yard out route that's going to get you down outside of field goal range. A little bit closer for Hail Mary opportunity. Or you can just throw the flat right now to Logan Thomas. What do you want to do? Let's throw the pick into double coverage. My Jesus. Did he look um... – Nope, he looked right at where he was throwing the ball. No, 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 no. Did he look to you? We remember I described him yesterday as sort of borderline disinterested, and we know he was unprepared, but that he just wanted it to end, like he didn't want to be out there. I think I would have a hard time saying that. He looked like he looks when he's playing poorly, like he's just frustrated. I don't think he, I, I don't know. I don't think there was a feeling in Dwayne that he didn't want to be there. I think he, he I think he knew um, 
I think the week leading up to it made him feel like, you know what, there's so much pressure on me right now, plus it's a big game, and I almost wish that I had been benched and I didn't have to come out here. That was the worst he's ever been, Cooley. Uh, The giant game when he came in for the very first time off the bench, fine. But in terms of starting a game and what was that, his 14th start, whatever it was, that was the worst one. It was the worst one. It was the worst one, but there's been a lot of starts that are comparable, especially first halves. So you get into the second half of this game. Dwayne's dog shit, right? Yeah. You got... After you give up like a seven and a half minute drive or whatever it is, you're still down 20 to three, right? Yeah. You're still down 23. You, like you got time to stay balanced. Yeah, they didn't. First and 10, drop back. Dwayne's throwing the button hook to Cam Sims. <laughs> Almost a pick because he's so damn late on the throw. Sims comes out of the break open on the hook. The ball, he's, the, he's waiting on Sims to break open. That is the... Worst thing your quarterback can do, anticipate the throw. You're not looking at Sims beating the corner. You're looking at the flat player carrying the defensive flat player out of the equation so you have a window to throw. You're counting on Sims to be open. You as a quarterback just got to make sure underneath coverage isn't there. This is, if I'm a coach, this is one of those ones where I'm like, what do you want to do? Pull him. Just get him out. You can't sit there and jerk the ball off. No. It's got to be out. Ball doesn't want to be you, you, got, you got to be able to speed up your process and get it out. He struggles to speed up his process. By the way, Sim sits there and waits on the ball. Still could have been a completion. Sim sits there like, I'm going to sit here and wait for that ball to get to me. <laughs> like, dude, run through the ball. There's a play, um, a Teddy Bridgewater throw in the game to Robbie Anderson, he, I think oh, it was. Oh, God, he where packs the Jimmy, shit out of it. Jimmy Moreland is waiting for the pick that's coming right into his arms, and here comes Robbie Anderson just attacking the ball. Takes it right away from him. It was great. Our receivers don't do that. So then you, you end up getting into a third and two, which is his biggest throw of the day. Right. Where he scrambles around. Really didn't need to scramble around. Had, oh, boy. Did, didn't need to go you, yeah. scramble. Didn't need to go flying all around. Could have sat in the pocket and delivered a throw to Sims, who ended up being wide open on the sideline. But his biggest throw of the day is a 50-yard throw that's like <laughs> across the field to a wide open receiver who they left. Yeah, did they just cool. leave him? Was it just a busted coverage? Yeah, they just busted. They didn't see him as Dwayne ran left. Maybe that's the plan. Like, pivot, run left, try to throw all the way across the field. Your arm's strong. Let's see if we can get guys open over there. So he gets 50 yards downfield. They've been gashing him, running the football, out of gun, gap scheme runs, and they go with a fucking toss where they're out leveraged to that side. Sprinkle comes out, bypasses the corner and Shaq Thompson. They blow it up in the backfield, and you're like, God, they're playing three guys on the line of scrimmage. Run inside. Yeah. You don't, toss is not a good play here. Can I play in a soft box with outside leverage? Can I just bring so up one? Toss. I want to bring up one thing before that play. Back to the 50-yard play to Sims. You know, there's like this thing that um, quarterbacks and analysts will say, you never throw back across the field. You know, if you're rolling left, yeah, you don't come sure. back across the field. Um, especially in the red zone, I sort of feel like if a quarterback's rolling right, and, you know, that the tight end or a back or somebody who sort of just leaks his way into the left side 
of the end zone in the corner of the end zone that just a chuck like quarterbacks rolling right the intention all along is he's going to turn and he's going to fire it back the other way but because there's this rule you don't throw back across the field you know it's like almost the defensive players know that the rule is he's not allowed to throw it back <laughs> and I'm and I, I think all the time especially on the rollouts in the red zone that that cut off half the field they're they're high they're very low um low make probability plays I often feel unless the ball comes out immediately to you know a fullback or a receiver you know who did an in and then an out you know towards the pylon that sometimes if you just leak some tight end who's lined up on the right side at the line of scrimmage and he goes towards the right and then he just sort of slowly meanders his way back over, the quarterback should just turn and chuck it in that direction and that that person's going to be wide open all the time. Call that the oh shit play. I mean, why don't you see more of that? It seems to me like whenever you get a replay – this really goes for red zone plays more than anything else. That there's always somebody who's way over on the other side going, look, I'm here, but the rule is can't throw back across the field in the opposite direction. That's a, that's a recipe for disaster. Well, in the red zone, when you have basically – you know the end zone as a defender. Just throw it back in the in, towards the other corner of the end zone and see what happens. No defender is yeah, going to no, be there. This isn't really throwing back across the field. I know it, it is. It is throwing the ball all the way across the field. I'm not sure if anybody had hung that he would have seen them. But my, I mean, Cam Sims is open by 15 yards. I'm watching this again, and it's like. Well, Shaq Thompson decides to rush. Yeah, he tried to rush. That was, the- and it looks like he should have probably stayed in coverage. Yeah, like he ends up adding to this rush. I, I don't know who should have stayed out in the flat. To be honest with you, for Carolina, well, he's flushed left, and he never comes back and goes right. But he did that time. Yeah. All right. What else? Um, so then, after the second sixteen. You throw a check down to McKissick. You get 14 yards. It's yeah. a third and two. It's a good play. Let's just let's just throw check downs to McKissick. <laughs> but here's a, here's a question for you. The third and two play ends up being a batted ball. Right. I'm third and two against a three three front. I'm running the ball. A twice. I'm running that. Z- I'm committed to fourth down. I'm. I got. McK- I got. I got Peyton Barber and I got Antonio Gibson and I got a three man front. How many? I'm two runs dead in a row. And by the way, Kev, I'm going for it on that fourth and two. I thought about it as I watched this film, and I said to myself, this is the only fucking chance we've had down there anywhere near the end zone. Our quarterback's struggling big time. I am counting on this offensive line who's played well to block it up and get a fourth and two. I'm going for it. Well, I don't give a damn about getting this to a two-score game. I don't know if I'm going to get back down there again. I might need the field goal later. Well, that's fine, but then you should have run it on third and two, which is what we're saying anyway, and then that's run it saying. on fourth and one, like if you didn't make it. But the, the the funny thing is, is just how many times, especially in the red zone, in third and two situations, we've seen shotgun and we've seen some sort of zone run, you know, with Gibson or Barber or maybe even McKissick, usually Gibson or Barber, and it always delivers. And it's going to deliver against, a, you know, a basic three-man front with three behind it. Yeah, I, I I don't I thought that this was the first game that I really questioned some of the decision no making and play calling from Turner. 
And here's what it is. I sure this is what I really think. He just doesn't know the direction to take this offense with Dwayne. But we but I we've seen like, Dwayne hand it off. Anytime he can make situation. a throw, so let's drop him back. Let's see. We're down 20, 20 to three. The truth is, McKissick's wide open on this play. Oh yeah, he scores. He, it, does it, he drop it? No, the ball got deflected. By I know it got deflected, but it looks like watch the play again. It looks like from the end zone copy, he had a chance to catch the ball. It was it was deflected and it was low, and he was moving away from it. It would have been slide a, and get it. There's nobody out well, there. Well, he make wouldn't the have catch got first. he wouldn't have gotten the first down if he had come come back to get it. More likely than not. But the point is, if it doesn't get deflected, I don't know if it was an accurate throw anyway because he's missed these kinds of throws. But yeah. it would have been it, had it been an accurate throw, it w- it wouldn't have been a first down. It would have been a touchdown. Yeah, no doubt. And find a window to throw that ball. Right. Yes. That's the other thing is find a window to throw that ball. Yeah. So now we're sitting here saying, okay, it's third and two. We're deflected. We can't go down fourth and two because we don't trust our quarterback. Right? That's, I think, really why you don't go for it in that fourth and two situation. You, you get a stop. You come back out in the fourth quarter. It's 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter. You're down two scores. You can still stay balanced. I know. I know. You can still stay with a balanced offense. 15 of the first 16 plays of the second half were throws. One run, and it was that six-yard loss. That was it. That, that you, come, was... you come it's, – it's insanity. Well, I mean, you know, score dictates this stuff. And, and, I, and I do th- – well, it, it shouldn't have in this case because there was enough time. But I think the eight-minute drive to start the third quarter, which is why I said to you yesterday, I, I know the defense – didn't allow points and, you know, stuff in the second half. They allowed an eight-minute drive to start the third quarter. Okay, they ended up getting a play that stopped the drive from Chase Young. But you're down 20-3. to three. You need a three and out, brother, to start the second half. Not you 13 plays in eight minutes. You need one, but you still got out the field. Okay, but and you Chris, still gave him a chance to win. Chris, a Kevin, you got six minutes to go in the third great. quarter, down twenty to three. You needed still the ball back it. with thirteen twelve to go in the third quarter. No, you don't. Okay, well, you needed it, it back a- with less, with more than six and a half minutes to go. You still had four possessions left by the time you got the ball I, back. I, I, I look. I'm not saying that I would not. You just need to not give up. Any I would points. have been balanced for the very for the sole reason that my quarterback had zero chance of succeeding, not being balanced. That's that's, that's good. That that's the sole reason. The other, <laughs> the other I understand. The, other, the partner to the sole reason is that. It, they're begging they would, you to run it. Yeah, they, they're basically saying, yeah. run it. And the thing is, Cooley, too, the way they were running it, it wasn't going to be, you know, four yards here, five yards here, third and one. They were getting chunk runs. Like they were moving the ball better on the ground in terms of yardage gained than they were through the air. In the first half, Gibson had nine carries for 67 yards. The quarterback threw for 36 yards. <laughs> hey, what do you want to do, coach? I just feel like he's going to get hot. Well, Let's you know, keep throwing he did last week. Here's my other complaint as we're just talking about play calling. They ran zero draws to soft defense a lot of times in the first half into the third third and early fourth quarter of this game. Zero draw plays. They ran zero screens to the back, which they can't do. They never, I don't know why well, they, they never can't do, they never that. do that. It's the easiest play to create. Just go pull ten Chiefs screens right. and run them that way chiefs get 
two or three big screens a week yeah. to the running back. Andy Reid, Doug. They Peterson. got a lot of guys getting downfield in the secondary, but that's what Carolina was doing to us, anyways. Yeah, because they they believed that Dwayne would make bad throws and make bad decisions, which he did. Screens and draws, really good friend to the quarterback, especially into soft defense. You think he'd be able to hit the screen with a touch pass? <laughs> maybe maybe they're concerned. Here comes the pressure, and there's oh, McKissick. The whole thing's set out. He's got three linemen in front of him. Oh, he overthrows it. <laughs> you know, watching really good screen teams like the Andy Reid, you know, coach teams, whether it's Peterson or Reid or anybody else, or watching, you know, the Gary Kubiak um, and Stefanski screens like with Dalvin Cook in Minnesota or Chubb and those guys in Hunt in Cleveland, it really is – uh, it's so beautiful to watch when you can get you can get your a really big time running back playmaker with blockers in front of them against an outman defense, and usually the what what what, what faces the the defense are DBs that they're trying to block. It really is such a great way. The problem is is too many coaches. Call it Cooley. This is my opinion. They second call, twelve. They call it in the obvious situation. Second and fourteen. You know what Minnesota does, and you know what Andy Reid does. There are a lot of first and ten screens. You know, and and those because they look like play action because they run a lot of play action, and then here comes a touch throw to Kareem Hunt or to Dalvin Cook or to Clyde edwards alaire and it's all of a sudden it's a twenty-seven yard play or it's 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 a fourteen yard play, but it's a it's a chain moving first down play. I, I like when the the screens are used in non obvious screen situations. It's because they understand that in first and 10 or second and 10 or less run possible situations that a screen isn't just another pass play. It's another facet of balance. Right. Like that's the thing that people that they get caught, they get caught up in so much with got to run at 50, 50. The screen isn't a run or a pass. It's another balanced type play that helps both the run and the pass. It's also where the zone read and RPO stuff comes in too. It's all a facet of balance. And they understand that. I also like, I don't think Turner understands. I also like, um, and not every team's capable of doing this, okay? Because you have to have the receivers, you know. But I like the second and 15, you know, let's not run a draw. Let's not run a screen to get eight back or to get 10 back to set up a third and makeable. Let's throw it deep. I mean, let's take the shots here. Because this like is. I love that. Yeah, this isn't where they're expecting us to take the shots. Let's take the shots because they're thinking it's coming underneath and they just have to rally to make a tackle and then it's third and nine or third and eight. I'm I, if they don't and if they if they play it deep, then here we go. There's Logan Thomas sitting over the ball for yeah. seven yards and we're still back into a third and eight, third yeah, and nine. Right. Um, it just seems right. so NFL predictable. And, you know, when you watch college games, it's so different. But then again, the talent's different. And, you know, the talent on defense in particular is different. But anyway, um, all right, go ahead. What else on Dwayne? Okay, so let's let's finish this last drive with Dwayne. Get into the fourth quarter. You still stay balanced. They choose not to stay balanced. The first throw is as bad as it gets. First and ten. Is that the gift they have throw? To Dwayne's left. 
it's no. Is that the Sims throw? It's to Sims throwing to double coverage. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. To the left, they have two slants. To the right, they have a flat and a slant and go. Sluggo, slant and go. There's a two-shell coverage or a middle-of-the-field open coverage, two safeties. The slant and go should be dead. Just throw the other slant on the left side. Throw the quick slant. It's two-shell. Take the easy play. Don't force it into double coverage right there. That was stupid. You check down Gibson on the second down, and then the third down, he throws it to Robert Foster, who does a hell of a job getting, what, Oh, the 20 yards plus yeah. on the crossing route. You can Outru- outruns a dude, gets 20 yards plus. You can sort of see why they like right. it. We can still stay balanced with 13-01 now on first and 10. No problem. Choose to throw it. It's batted down to McKissick. Again, getting balls batted down. Yeah, amazing how many Second and 10, we're going to throw it. You get Logan Thomas for seven. You get third and three. You get a defensive holding on a third and three, whoever was covering Logan Thomas. But he rolls out and throws one to Gandy Golden that Golden just drops. Yeah. He's just like, my God, we can't throw and catch the football. Now 12-09. Can't throw and catch the football. First and 10 again. Could still stay balanced, couldn't we? Nope, we're going to throw it to a blanketed Logan Thomas on a crossing route and incompletion. We're back to second and 10. We've now had three second and 10s on this drive where we could have stayed balanced. Get a check down to McKissick, and then you throw a little screen out to Logan Thomas on, what, third and five? Yeah. Shit blocking by Sims Jr. No attempt to help block. And you get to a fourth and two, and my God. Okay, before that. When before we don't have a quarterback that can read. <laughs> before the fourth and two. Go ahead. You just said something about Sims Jr. that I hesitated saying yesterday because I hate I, – I think it's really um, – I, I hate criti- the criticism that criticizes somebody's heart. But Sims Jr., when I watch him, I don't think he tries very hard. I don't think he competes very hard. That's my impression of him. I think that's a really hard accusation because you don't really know what's in their their heart. But when I watch him, I see a guy, just like I said about Inman. And by the way, they cut Inman last week. You saw that. I don't see a guy that's yeah. trying hard enough or competing hard enough. Anyway, the fourth and two. Watch the third and two. The, watch, or watch the third and five. Uh, let me pull it up. I throw a little flat it. out to Logan Thomas with two receivers in front to block. Sims Jr. just absorbs it, gets blown up, and Logan Thomas gets three yards. If Sims just oh goes and cut God. blocks out he, there. He didn't want any part of that block. Don't want none. Don't want you, none that, of that. Dude, just so we're clear, like let's be clear of the situation that we're in right here as a player on this team. You are down 20 to six. You are driving. It is a third and five. This is to clinch the division. Yeah. Go play hard. Yeah, he doesn't. Cooley, he doesn't. Oh, my God. There's got to be a moment. Like, this is a third and seven in the first drive of the first half of the season where you're like, ah, God, I got to be better than that. But in this moment, don't want none doesn't work. Nope. All right, the fourth. So you get to this fourth and two. Oh We've already had Dwayne not balls batted, not be able to read coverage to the right side of the field, and we get to this fourth and two, and he drops back. They are running a mesh concept where normally there would be two crossing routes, but instead of crossing routes, they run Cam Sims and Logan Thomas on whips. 
He reads this to the back first. He looks on this fourth and two to McKissick in the flat. It's fine. I wouldn't want to read it out that way. But he looks to McKissick in the flat. Immediately as McKissick is covered by leverage, Logan Thomas is wide open. Should have just banged it on Logan Thomas. It's a two-yard gain. There's a touchdown throw that Mahomes threw to Kelsey in the end zone in way tighter coverage. Zip it into Logan Thomas. Boom. Back hip throw. Conversion. No problem. Done. Fuck the Cam Sims that we're going to talk about here in one second that he misses. Logan Thomas, if you're reading this across the board, flat, immediately to Logan Thomas. Covered flat. Whoop. Logan Thomas. Boom. Easy. Easy throw. Right. And that and that's the way Pull he up. watch it. Yeah, no, I'm watching it right now because I focus. That, that's on, an across the board progression, right? I focus on the Cam Sims, which beat. you'll get to, but it, in in order, no McKissick, but Logan Thomas is his next read, and Logan Thomas is open, and there's enough room for him to make the quick throw, and we move the sticks. Yep, plenty of time, but he bypasses Logan Thomas and goes to Sims in the middle of the field, which is ridiculous because coverage is soft enough. So he's looking over the ball at about eight yards to Sims, who is not there. And then instead of just progressing to the third part of the triangle, which this play is, it's a triangle play. You read this as a triangle out. His camp he decides the first thing we're talking about with Sims. Now, Sheriff- Yes, he yes, he was looking to Sims Jr. He just bypassed Logan Thomas, which is weird because Logan's open. But then he scrambles and you're like, God. Now, Brandon Sheriff, your your star player gets blown up on this play. That said, God, I hope he goes to Sims Jr. if he's got one second more in the pocket. Brandon gets beat with the spin move, but the ball should have been out twice by now. Yeah, but Cam Sims, time Cam Sims, not Sims Jr., is the one standing by himself yes. with a sign that yes. says, I am open and nobody's in the same zip code that I'm in. Can you just throw it to me? You could throw it way up no into doubt. the air, and, and no one's going to be able to get here in time. There's no, no question about it. But the thing that would frustrate me the most as a coach in fourth and two is watch the end zone copy as Dwayne hits his top step. Logan Thomas has two yards of separation from the inside defender, and there's a defender coming down from on his back that's four yards behind him. It's an easy throw. And there is a massive throwing window between Sheriff and Moses. Yeah, I see it. Should have been to Logan Thomas. As he hits his fifth step, this is a no-brainer throw. This is an easy benching through the game. Now you're into the fourth quarter, and you watch this drive where you couldn't stay balanced. You, you, you lucked into a defensive holding on one of these calls. You had no first down completions. It's like, what are we, what are we going to do here? This is a no-brainer. Right. Heineke. I thought Heineke was good in this game. Dwayne was an F, just so we're clear. Yeah. I just wanted to go through this game because I think Scott Turner was an F. Scott Turner was an F, yeah. Yep. I didn't think Scott Turner did a good job. So I wanted to progress through this game because I thought this team had opportunities, even with Dwayne, to score 20. Right. So you get to Heineke, who on the first play makes a pretty good throw. The second play makes a good throw on a dig route to Gandy Golden. Mm-hmm. But pull up the second play for Heineke. His second play of that drive. Yeah. If you're reading this out, you're trying to clear the middle of the field with Logan Thomas running 
across deep down the middle of the field. You read that as number one. If anybody was pulled with that, then you go bang to the dig. Right, but nobody pulls. Who the fuck is covering Logan Thomas? Nobody goes with Logan Thomas. But he's probably <laughs> expecting Logan Thomas and and for the dig to be open, but nobody wants. I don't Logan care what Thomas. you expect. The way this is read, it's not often thrown, but there is nobody to cover. The safety does not move for an instant with Logan Thomas. No, he was wide open. He is wide open, and then Golden drops a dig. Yeah, Go- Golden really struggled. But I thought, you know, Heineke, he's hanging in the pocket. He gets to Logan Thomas late. He makes a quick throw to Sims. Makes a big throw down the seam to Logan Thomas. I thought he made a baller throw to Cam Sims, who dropped one deep over the top. Right. That was an. That, he read that out really well. They had a, a deep corner out from the inside with Sims Jr. And the outside, they had Cam Sims on a post. And you really, there's a four across the top quarters coverage he's looking at the safety that side if that safety holds on the corner out let's let it fly he lets it fly it's a great ball sims has got to come up with that thing that's a drop yep i mean it's it would be it would be a really good catch but a a receiver a number two receiver has to make that catch yeah no doubt if you want to see a running back have a hard day watch mckissick on that play (laughs) <laughs> on the on the deep shot to 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 Cam Sims, pull that play up and watch McKissick. Great job stepping up. Here's what I would say to McKissick: Awesome job stepping up in the pocket and giving him time. You took one for the team, buddy. Hold on, I'm watching. He just gets waxed. Ooh, yeah, he got run over. All right, nice job, JD. Good job. Hey, did your job, didn't you? <laughs> Technique, no. Responsibility, yes. The bad throw that he makes. Is the next throw? Is it the one that went picked, over the head over Sims Jr.? But you are talking about effort. This is the shittiest effort for a football down the seam in a big situation. Sims Jr. That I have seen. This has turned it down. No, thank you. Now it's one thing to turn it down when you're blocking somebody uh, and you don't want to take that hit, but it's another one when you're open up the seam and you know the ball should have been on you. It's a little bit late, and he did airmail that ball. Okay, that ball's overthrown, but it's not as overthrown as it looks because Sims quits on the route and then he doesn't even jump. Well, he thought he was going to take a big hit. He thought he was going to take a big hit, and he said, "Fuck that, turn it down." Mm. It's not as now, bad. He, Heineke's <laughs> just a little bit late. He's not. Gonna, and it's, he's, and not, it's he, he's not going to get an, a hand on it, though. I mean, that's way over his head. But but this goes hand if in hand. If he doesn't with, stop running, this goes hand in hand with what we jumps. said. I mean, I, I I hesitated to say it yesterday, and I didn't say it. I'm telling you, I did not like the way Sims Jr. competed at all, and that's why I was so. I'm loud yesterday saying if they put him back on punt returns in a game you have to win Sunday night, they should have their heads examined because this guy is not fit to return a punt. He can't catch anything, and he doesn't compete hard enough. I didn't say the compete part yesterday. I'm saying it today because I really felt that watching him on Sunday. I I can't disagree, and I I want everybody to know one thing, too, when we're talking about this. He stops running the second this ball's released because he knows there's somebody over the top Mm -hmm. if he doesn't stop running and goes and jumps for this ball just keep in mind you can't really hit a defenseless receiver now guys do but there's this is more seven on seven this should be a fearless moment Mm -hmm. to stretch the seam hard and go up and get this ball this ball is not as bad as it looks 
Well, it's not. It's not a good ball. I mean, at five foot eight, he uh, has let no me put chance it to you this way. It. Let me put it to you this way: if there was no coverage there, if this was one on one, this ball gets caught. I don't agree with you. I watch it again. I'm watching it over and over again. He he's stops. a short. He's. I know he, he stopped, and he's defender. afraid of getting hit. All that's true. The ball was also six feet over his head. And well, even yeah, if you, that's what happens when you start fucking shuffling down the scene. But if you run through it, it's still going to be over his head. I will bet. I will guarantee you on my life that if you just run and there's nobody there, this ball's caught in stride. Okay. Not what with, is? Not with his hands. Okay. Now, 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 now we're factoring in a different part of this equation. Yeah. But as far as egregious ball, mm-hmm. I don't think so. All right. What's next with Heineke? So, I mean, he gets him down the field. I, I thought he did a really good job. The only thing I think he misses here, I, I think he misses when he falls down on the sack. Sims Jr.'s open. He sacked himself. He sacked himself. He did. <laughs> he trips up and sacks himself. Sims would have been the last read in that progression. But he sacks himself. He get to a third and eight. It's, then he, there's some miscommunication. I'm not sure who it is. But between Logan Thomas and Robert Foster on the side that he throws the third and eight deep into the end zone. There's no chance there's a holding on Wes Schweitzer. I cannot see it. I cannot find it. I don't know what they called. They did call holding. You get to third and 18, which is now my newest scribe. It's a three-man rush. Why the f- Why are you keeping a McKissick in to block it up? Right. They went four Burts into the end zone to drop eight into the end zone, locked it up with six to protect against three. Did you like the way Gandy Golden was really working hard to get open? Then Gandy Golden still has a chance, and it is the worst attempt at a 500 ball of all time. 500, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Gandy Golden's terrible. <laughs> he, he didn't. Uh, why, why did they have him out there for that many snaps? No idea. He's terrible. <laughs> I mean, that was his first real opportunity. He made a heck of a throw to McKissick off uh, a little bit. Look, here's the thing I liked with Heineke. Had a couple good scrambles when he had to scramble. It wasn't just soft coverage, Kev. Okay? They blitzed. They came after him. He had to throw hot twice. He was decisive and made some good decisions with the football. There was one throw that's a little bit late. Um, but on the last drive, big throw vertical to Logan Thomas that Logan dropped down the seam. Before he has a couple good scrambles, Logan dropped another throw down the seam. They had six or seven drops. We can't throw and catch the ball here. And then he extends the play, staying kind of alive in the pocket, and throws a touchdown to McKissick to give him a chance for an onside kick. Heineke was fine. I thought Heineke was a B plus in this game, if not better. He throws a he throws a catchable ball, doesn't he? I mean, throws a catchable ball. Yeah, it's thrown with a lot of touch, even even the uh, the deeper balls. There's not you know there's not a lot of gunslinging there. Not a lot of gunslinging. I like him. I thought he was a B-plus in this game. Gave him a chance. You think they can win with him if he's got to play Sunday? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yes, the answer is yes. The answer is yes because I think you got to find a way to score 20. Right. So, yes. Okay. Um, you asked about Gandy Golden. He has zero fluidity. He stumbles a ton. He has no idea how to stem his routes. He looks like he's not trying, but I think it's because he's lost. 
there's a ball at the end of the half that's thrown to him by Dwayne that he has zero interest in coming back to the ball to win literally just watches it bounce in front of him you're like dude if you just attack that ball it's a catch in an NFL game it's like do you want to try for it what's a WTF play <laughs> the drop down the off script play on the third down and three that they had a defensive holding and then like that effort play in the end zone is garbage he was not open consistently he does not run <laughs> very good routes he's not a positive impact on your team uh, i mean he was your other f for sure in this game wow uh they need terry mclaurin back don't they they need terry mclaurin back big time um oh the third and one i'm looking at the play that he didn't come back for look it's a shitty throw by Dwayne. But, but gosh, there, there is no effort from Gandy Golden to come out of that break and just come back hard. I he mean, just, they, no, he just watched it hit the ground. Yeah. Maybe they just all looked at Dwayne and said, we got no shot with him. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, you guys, I'll bring it in here. Dwayne is uh, doing something. I don't know. He's he actually got in his car. He left. Who knows where he is? But oh, come on. We're going to play like dog crap to make sure he never plays again. Don't even try. That didn't happen, just so we're clear. Yeah. That's a, that's a joke. Uh, Sims Jr. was not good in this game, although he had a couple catches, had the one sideline catch. I didn't think was good in this game. Thought he was a D. Uh, Cam Sims was not good in this game. Had three drops. Yep. Could have really impacted this game in a positive, play, positive way on 71 snaps. Runs. He's a little bit more fluid as a route runner is open has some build-up speed gives you a chance he, he's your two receiver and he's a mix in two receiver in an ideal situation not a starting two receiver he's a d in this game uh the third and one trick play to Thomas. not trick play the wild the wildcat play on third and one yeah they go with an unbalanced offensive line and sprinkle gets smoked across his face from the backside immediately and it's blown up like dude Come on. Sprinkle can't Sprinkle's not helping them, but they don't have another tight end. I don't think Kev that I would mix in any more what you call 12 or 13 personnel. Between Sprinkle and Marcus Baugh, I just I don't think that that gives me my best 11 on the field. Yeah, but which receivers would you prefer to have on the field if McLaurin's out? I, I, any of them. Okay. Robert Foster, any of them. I, Sprinkle only played 11 plays, but Sprinkle was a D in this game. Logan Thomas had a couple drops in this game, was okay as a blocker, made a couple catches as well in this game. Logan, I thought, was a C plus. Your offensive line, did I miss any receive, receivers? I don't think so. Oh, McKissick, McKissick was all right. McKissick played a ton. He played 49 plays in this game. Had some big receptions, had some yards after catch. We mentioned like the two-minute play where he could have got up the field a little bit more. You didn't talk about uh, Isaiah Wright. Isaiah Wright wasn't very good in this game. He only played 13 plays. He had really no impact. Stumbled on one of the routes that he had a chance to win. He was 13 plays. It's D, D minus. He's, why did they play Gandy Golden and not Isaiah Wright? Isn't that weird? I think Gandy Golden went out well, early Gandy, in the Remember, season. Gandy Golden hasn't been available, you know, um, and and so the, he's coming back and just becoming available for the first time since very early in. Yeah, well, he wasn't and they good liked very him, early on. And they liked him. They didn't him. like him. So no. the, I, I'll make a prediction right now um, because 
for those of you that don't know this, we've mentioned it before. There are people out at the park that listen to this podcast and listen to this film breakdown. And there's been a lot of reaction to it at times because it's been amazing how some of the film breakdown grades lead to fewer snaps the next week. Um, the prediction here is, well, I mean, this could change obviously with, with McLaurin, but I would bet you that AGG doesn't get 59 of the 71 snaps on Sunday night. If they that's what they have. 13 snaps. Yeah. By the way, now, he'll, he'll I, by the way I'm suggesting the... that they, they take it, Cooley's advice and that the, 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 it's just matching up with what they think already. I mean, that's, that's the, well, it's the matching up with what everybody watched on film and they're NFL coaches. Yeah. But you do like so, Robert Foster a little bit, don't you? I think Robert Foster's got a little bit more to him. I think that I'm more intrigued with Foster than anybody else right now. Than the AGG. Than AGG or Isaiah Wright. Right. I, I think there's there's more to Robert Foster. Okay. Um, are you finished? I, I mean, okay, here. Um, McKissick was pretty good in this game. I would, I would say in that C plus B range. I, I thought that Antonio Gibson could have been a explosive 160 yard day ends up with what 61 on 10 carries but had 67 on nine they yeah, never went did, back to him again how did i miss that you had not evaluated gibson yet he was the best uh, player I on offense gibson, by miles i thought gibson was good in this game i mean he, he missed the one throw that Dwayne threw way past him oh my god that throw was six feet away from him he I was, think on that throw, he was deciding in the moment whether he was going to throw to Logan Thomas or Antonio Gibson and threw it to both of them. <laughs> Gibson was outstanding. By the way, I thought, was, his, I thought his Gibson vision was, was really His vision and cuts were great. Yeah. The only play that's a negative is a toss play where he's got three guys in the backfield. Where are you going to go? Well, that's not his fault. That's not his fault. And, the, and I thought Robert Foster was uh, – he played seven plays. I thought he was good. Why is he playing seven plays? They don't – there's some discrepancy there. I don't know what it is. I, he, he's – look, he had a couple drops a week ago. Yeah, but he did. there's right. no one better than him. And I'm not going to classify that he's heads – like a, a heads and shoulders above the rest. But there's no one better that I can see. Well, the, uh, other than McLaurin. Yes. And, but you like, Cam, you like Cam Sims as potential. I like Cam Sims as well. Yeah. But I'm talking about Isaiah Wright or AGG. Right. Or Sims Jr. Or Sprinkle. I'd take all 11 of Sprinkle's plays and give them to Foster. Right. Moses was good. Sheriff was good. Lucas was actually pretty good. Gave up the one sack fumble, though. Right. Rulier was. Like, everyone in the offensive line was really pretty good. Schweitzer was probably the lowest graded at a C plus, B minus. The rest of them were between that B and A minus range. They're only gar- they were only trying to block three people. <laughs> should have been awesome. <laughs> they should have scored. They should have beat Carolina. They should have been better on offense. It's a combination of your quarterback, your offensive coordinator, a bad plan for what went into this game, a week that was a melee. It was really sad for me to watch this week play out this game play out with the implications of winning the division with one win against a four win team granted i get carolina is a good team but they're not a great team they could have beat carolina i have a question for you right after this word from one of our sponsors 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. All right, one question, and then we are done for the day um, off of Cooley's uh, film breakdown of the offense. So you gave Scott Turner an F, um, which is by far and away the lowest grade. You haven't graded Turner or Del Rio out all season long, except for when I've asked you to grade them and what you thought. And and I think, you know, prior uh, to this, I may have asked you once or twice. I was looking through my notes, and you gave Turner a B, and I think you gave Turner like a C-plus in another uh, instance. Is this one of those things that that you think? Because I think Scott Turner's been pretty good for most of the year. I, I, I really do. Do you think this is one of those deals where, after the fact, Rivera sits down with him after looking at the tape, or Turner, you know, with Zampezi and some of the other offensive guys, it's, it, that they they look at themselves on Monday and they say, "Why the fuck didn't we run the ball more?" I mean, they could not stop Antonio Gibson in the first half. Why did we even think about throwing it in the first half? Forget about getting behind and maybe the score dictating it. Why in the first half did we throw it a lot more than we ran it when he was against this three-man front, was gashing it, and was was on his way to a 125-yard-plus day? Do you think that they are able to – self-evaluate and do a deep dive, as old Bill Callahan would say, and come up with the right answer? The right answer changes week to week. It might not be the right answer next week. But I do think they need to do a deep dive of self-evaluation and how they keep balance in first and second down situations. we got to find a better way to keep balance. Yeah. And, and maybe to Scott Turner's defense, he's going to sit there and say, look, our third down percentage has been outstanding, but their big chunk play opportunities and some of the things that they, they, they don't get big plays in first and second down situations. They don't get enough big plays in general. And that's, I, I think you, through balance and through some of the things that they don't show and don't do on offense, they'd have more of an opportunity to score more points. Right. You can't, you can't sit here and say that, They've been outstanding on offense all year when they can't figure it out in games and you're just hoping your quarterback gets hot. I'm starting to become a believer that Antonio Gibson has a chance to be a big-time running back, like a guy that can rush for 1,200 yards plus in a season. Do you believe that or not? I think he can. I think they have the offensive line to do it. I'm... I think that he's going to develop into a guy that can run more from quarterback under center as well. I think that's one of the things he's a gun running back. And I think that's a primary reason why they are in gun as much. If he becomes a back where you can keep more balance with some under center stuff as well, I think he can be a 1200 yard rusher. Carolina with Norv had a fullback um, and Scott Turner was a part of that. This team doesn't have a fullback, and Scott Turner runs out of the gun. 
um, much more. Do you think that that's something they could think about in the offseason, especially now that they've got a 225, 230-pound, 6-foot-2-inch guy that could carry the ball 25 times a game? It's going to depend on how he develops and how he sees things. I just don't think he sees it as well when he's got to take that long track from under center. Okay. So if he's developing, yes. By the way, I like a fullback. I think there's a lot of things you could do with with the fullback. Let's just watch the teams that have one. They seem like they use them so well, but you got to have a coordinator that understands how to use them. You know, whether it's Kyle or Kubiak or some of these guys that have always had a fullback, they know how to use these guys. Norv always had a fullback. Norv had a fullback when he was here as the head coach. And that fullback was so active as a as a blocker, as a runner, but definitely as a pass catcher. There's no doubt. I mean, just well, you're just talking about it in that fashion. Like just having a two back set, I think, is good for Washington right now. Like how many times did they go two back? You got McLaurin hurt. You're two of your best five without question, Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick. Antonio Gibson played 21, 21 plays. What's wrong with the two back set? Both of them are good receivers. Like that, that goes into the balance and the and who you're playing and everything you're doing. That goes into the F grade. Gibson played. Gibson played twenty one. You meant Gibson played twenty one. Yeah. Well, that means they're never on the field together. Right. I mean, you know, the other way. I, I mean, you watch it with Kyle in particular. Good God, it, having a fullback as part of a two back set, especially if that if they, if you have proven that you can run the ball, is so effective in the red zone. The fullback becomes such a very difficult cover in the red zone on on play action. I I, I just I, I'm surprised actually that you know who could be a fullback. Some Barber. you don't have to have a true fullback. Barber Logan Thomas could play fullback. Yeah, Logan Thomas is as physical as it gets from extension. Like it, it, he's not great on the line of scrimmage, but if you run him at somebody, he'll hit the he'll hit him in the face. Like I was sitting here thinking where you're going to end up falling in this draft, but a tight end is still something that they need. I mean, receiver is something they need as well, but receiver, God, you find the guys in the second and third round that are starters every year. This kid, Kyle Pitts out of Florida, the tight end Kyle Ooh. Pitts out of Florida is oh. as good a tight end as I've seen come out in a long time. Yep. You could integrate a couple backs, Kyle Pitts, McKissick, Antonio Gibson, that would be big for them to have that position where you could really win at that position. I'm not taking away anything from Logan Thomas's season, but he's not a separator threat. Right. Kyle Pitts is. Kyle Um, Pitts is ridiculous. So like when you say like, yeah, they could have a fullback, but Logan Thomas can do that. He's, he's tough as nails. I'm, I'm just, I guess the reason that they, did, that, that they didn't employ it that way is, number one, that Dwayne was more comfortable in shotgun than under center. Number two is they didn't know going into this year that they would, were going to have a potential, you know, 20-plus carry a guy back, you know, tailback. But they do. I think they do. I'm really – They do as well. I, I do think a big part of the gun stuff is just your backs are more comfortable in gun to run the ball. Uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um. You know what, you just when you mentioned Kyle Pitts, I just started thinking, 
you know, I really want them to win Sunday night. I want them to have a playoff game because part of that will just be a game changer in the off season as the, when we view next year because you're going to be like, okay, whatever. They were seven and nine, but they were a playoff team and they gave Tampa all they wanted before losing in overtime or whatever happens, or maybe they win the game. Um, and then you're like, man, they really are getting close and there's one reason we feel that way we feel that way because of their defensive front in particular and the fact that one of those players may be developing into the best defensive player in football so now if you can add a couple of pieces there and just add one or two and you can get a quarterback I mean all of a sudden they're like a legitimate contender maybe for the first time in in forever so anyway, all right, uh, have a good day. Back tomorrow with Cooley. We'll talk about the defense from the uh, Carolina game, and we will look forward very much to the Philadelphia game uh, as well.